Welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Posen here along with Schwan Humes. Not too bad. Yourself? Well, I'm I'm still in hospital here. I'm going to a rehab facility. I have a uh, torn bicep. And so tomorrow I'm going to be there for a few weeks. And we'll still continue to do this. We didn't do a podcast. There was no show on the weekend. But uh, we're going to get started here from uh, two weeks ago. Uh, the main event from a couple of weeks ago was Ketlin Vieira beat Meet uh, Tate by unanimous decision. Now, Schwan, I learned a couple of things from this fight. And one thing I learned is that uh, I don't think uh, Misha is who she used to be. So that's number one. Number two, Ketlin Vieira has to really find a killer instinct somewhere or she's not getting to the title. Okay, it's as simple as that. Uh, I was very disappointed that she didn't go for a finish. Uh, you know, Verna Jandaroba recently did an interview where she talked about this a little bit. She said that her number one flaw as a fighter is she's too nice. And I think that's true of Ketlin as well. And you could tell by the way uh, uh, her coach, uh, Dudu, was talking to her between rounds that he's not happy with her either. And uh, Thomas, during the fight, mentioned that he thought that uh, Ketlin was giving respect. So... I'm not happy that she didn't finish the fight, Schwan. Yeah, um, I pretty much assumed that when I was watching the fight that you would not, not be pleased with her lack of killer instinct. Um, on the first point about Misha Tate, she is not the person she used to be because at no point in that fight did she make an adjustment. She seemed clear in her mind she was going to step to Ketlin Vera, which I understand. Ketlin's big. You don't want her getting momentum or forward progress, but she was going to step to Ketlin back her up with strikes, and I think she felt she'd be able to take her down at will or wear her down and take her down at will at, at some point in the fight. She never made any sort of adjustment once Ketlin started, because Ketlin was always trying to counterpunch. She wasn't, she made no adjustment to Ketlin counterpunching. She wasn't feigning with her jab. She wasn't going high-low. She wasn't mixing up combinations. She wasn't stepping back and make, making Ketlin come to her so that she could hit a reactive takedown. She just kept going forward. She fought kind of like a TJ Dillashaw. I'm just going to throw volume, volume, volume. I'm just going to pressure, pressure, pressure. And eventually I'm going to get my hands on her and be able to drag her down or wear her down and break her down. And Ketlin is too good an athlete and too big and strong for that to possibly work. I've never really seen Ketlin Vera get bullied. And that's but facing Sarah McMahon, Irene Aldana, and other fights. She's never really been bullied. Now she's fought dumb and been controlled, but she's never just been back. She takes not that kind of fighter, not right out the gate. So, um, she never made any adjustment, and she allowed Ketlin to just stay at the same game plan. Ketlin just let her come in and started counterpunching her, counterpunching her. And Ketlin showed that she hits hard. She showed that she's in good shape. She's shown some improvement in her skills because before she didn't have a real counterpunching game. Her her boxing and striking started showing improvement in the Sajar Eubank fight, and has consistently gotten better. But I think Misha saw her get caught against Irina Adonia and felt that I could drag her into exchanges and win. But that was Aldana's a better striker, but got better hands. Um, but ultimately, Ketlin was the same fighter she's always been. She's a front runner. And she's not necessarily a front runner with a killer instinct. She just likes to stay in control. She likes control. If you risk finishing someone, there's a chance you could get caught. And that's what I think some of these fighters get caught up into. It's like when you're fighting someone, the most dangerous time 
for you to get hit is when you're throwing a punch. That's when you're the most vulnerable. Even if you're throwing a sharp shot, somebody reads you right, they can make you pay. Ketlin did not want to take any chances. She didn't want to gas. She didn't give Misha a reactive takedown. She didn't want to do anything that would put her in a position where she was in last fight when she fought uh, Kuniskaya or give Misha a chance to get momentum. So she just kept letting Misha dictate the terms of the fight and just punished her for it. Um, a great fighter probably ramps it up or looks for a close, but I never thought Kayla Vera was a great fighter. Uh, she's improved. She's still big. She's strong. But if this is what she has to offer or someone like Amanda Nunes, it ain't going to get the job done. Hell, Van- Valentina Shevchenko moved it to 35. I think she still beat the hell out of it, Ketlin Vera right now. She's not good enough on the feet to get away with doing that against somebody with real craft and real layers. So what does Dudu do with her now? I mean, he can get it. I mean, it's he can you can complain as much as you want with her, but the fact of the matter is she has put she has got a she got the biggest win of her career and she's on the short list for a potential title fights um at Bantamweight. I mean, there's not many fighters who are better athletes in her. There's not really a lot of fighters who are much better strikers in her. There's not many fighters who are better wrestlers or grapplers in her. I mean, she comes into every fight with a huge physical advantage. She has to essentially fight dumb and give away fights away for her to lose them. So harping on this, it won't, she won't pay a price for it until she faces the top, the top end people in division. That's when she'll pay for that. But until then, she can just cruise and keep beating up girls doing what she's doing. I don't think she gets past Holly Holm like this. She does not get past Amanda Nunes like this. But, I mean, those are those are the only two, really, who are far ahead of her. This, 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 so, Schwann, it's kind of like Verna said. This is kind of a flaw of uh, these Brazilian fighters who, uh, you know, trained in Brazilian jiu-jitsu when they were younger. It just seems that they're, you know, it's, it's more of a polite sport than MMA, right? Heard, I've heard from people who've done Brazilian jiu-jitsu over there and people who've um, done wrestling or more something like sambo or judo. They said a lot of the Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes, even the ones with the really great grapplers, are very – they're intense, but they're kind of laid back. They're not very structured. They're not very go for the kill. It's a lot of feel and reaction, and that's fine in that context, but it's hard to flip that switch when you get into mixed martial arts because you're used to just flowing and finding your groove, and every sport says you find your flow – but they are every other sport, you never in wrestling assert yourself. Boxing, take control of the fight. Every sport, but in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I don't rare, I rarely hear I rarely hear practitioners talk like that, and I rarely hear fans of the sport talk like that. You don't hear about them saying impose their will. You know, it's always kind because of, that's not you know, because that's not how it works. Yeah, well, one fine in that context, but once you get to a sport where people are imposing their will, when you show weakness, people are going to take advantage of that. It's hard to flip that switch. And luckily for Ketlin, she's a good enough athlete, but she doesn't really have to have a killer instinct. She's going to win 80% of her fights just off of talent. But when she faces someone she can't, then she allows things to get out of hand. Like Kuniskaya had her. Kuniskaya was just wearing her, controlling her. And at no point did Ketlin really make an effort to impose her will on her and get into a better position. Against um, Sajar Eubanks, she could have overwhelmed Eubanks. She's big and strong enough and powerful enough. But she did enough to just show her striking and to have it keep have it even against Irene Aldana. She didn't really take chances. She just fought dumb. You know, she could have imposed her will and got a takedown and just wrote her out. But instead she wanted to showcase her striking. It, it's just, it's something that makes this going to cost her at the highest levels, but in Bantamweight, it's so uneven in the division that there's like maybe two or three fighters who could really punish her. And meanwhile, Aspen Ladd wants to fight this 
Well, Misha said some pretty, I mean, whether Misha's right or not, I don't know. But Misha basically insinuated that Aspen Ladd's in an abusive relationship. And Which no offense. Not. No offense. But that, I mean, I have, to be honest, if I was Aspen Ladd, next time I saw Misha Tay, we'd have to fight. Like, like, I mean, she's basically saying you're weak and you're in a victim in an abusive relationship, which probably is very insulting to her boyfriend, but he can't say anything because he's a man. He can't say anything. The only person who can speak up on his behalf is Aspen Ladd. And if I was Aspen, I'm not even waiting for a fight. When I see Misha Tate, she getting smacked in her fucking mouth for talking shit. That's what a guy would do if somebody was making some insinuation about his wife or his girlfriend. That'd be the, It's the same logic. Guy. They're just going to say he's a misogynist. He's bullying you. That's Aspen Ladd's issue to handle. I don't think she should want to fight her in the cage. I think next time she sees Misha Tate, she just slap her up in, outside her head. Professional, unprofessional, if it's not true, that's a pretty terrible accusation to lob at somebody. And I can't believe Misha would be just so frivolous and saying something like that. Like, that's nuts to say. All right. Let's get out of it. Let's get away from that. The uh, next fight we're talking about, Taylor Santos finished uh, Joanne uh, Wood, formerly Calder Wood, uh, with a first-round yeah. uh, finish. It was a rear naked choke. I wasn't particularly surprised by that. Uh, the reason it's a big win for, for Taylor, of course, is that, um, you know, Joanne is a named fighter, okay, even though she's not a great fighter. And yeah. So, it, it moves Taylor. It moves Taylor up the uh, ladder in uh, the flyweight division. You know something. I, you know, there's two things I want. To, well, actually, three things. One, I used to write a lot of articles about Joanna Calderwood. Time her coach got mad. Her husband got mad at me because he felt I was highlighting negatives. And the first thing I would say is she's a slow starter, and it's cost her consistently. Ever since I wrote that article, everybody who started fast with her has beaten her. I don't know what his problem is. It's like he can't address it. Second of all. I always thought that Paige Van Zandt, as flawed as she was, very high pace, and JoJo Calderwood was a fighter who took time to adjust. I always thought Paige would just beat the hell out of her in the first round and probably finish her before JoJo could ever get going around. And third, doesn't JoJo get sick of being everybody's biggest win? She's Jennifer Maya's biggest win. She's Lauren Murphy's mm. biggest win. She's Talia Santos' biggest She's always someone's biggest win. It's like, like four or five fighters have made their career off of beating Jojo Calderwood, excuse me, Jojo Wood in the first round. Some fighters just made a reputation just beating her from pillar to post and losing, but putting up a good fight in the first round. Everybody makes their career off her, not because she's a bad fighter, not because she's not durable, not because she can't grapple. She doesn't ever come out focused. And the, the reason it costs her and it doesn't cost other fighters is because Jojo is a hard-hitting, strong, durable fighter, but she's also a very slow, defensively limited fighter. When you're slow, you can't come out unfocused. You don't have the athleticism to make up when you make a mistake. A fast fighter, you might throw a shot, and they'll their reaction will catch it, and they can adjust late. A slow fighter just gets caught clean, and every time she faces an athletic fighter who comes right at her, she gets punched in her mouth, she gets rocked, she gets beat up, and I think most times she gets submitted, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm correct. So the thing with Santos was you just had to get through the first round then you put your physical strength on her. You start chopping her legs. You knee her thighs. You get to her body. You can wear her down. Roxy Matifari showed that if you can tie her up and extend her, she will get tired and you can take over. And Joanne's a good enough finisher. She could have stopped her. But that required – I said that on the show. She has to get through the first round and a half without getting dropped. Yeah, that but she happened. didn't. 
if she hasn't fixed it in seven years. So I, I guess we'll find out how good this uh, Taylor is. is huh? uh, I think you see the talent, you see the athleticism, you see the skills, but she's basically had all the fights her way. I could see how she could be dangerous for somebody like a Valentina. I think Fioro fights it that way, class two. Um, but I know that when she has, when she's been extended, she's gotten tired. She's looked human and against a better fighter. She's not just walking through them. They're going to make her work. And I want to see what she does when she has to work against someone who can really punish her. Cause Roxy Matafari isn't a good enough athlete, big enough hitter to punish you. But Valentina Shevchenko isn't. And there's a couple other fighters in the division. Jessica Andrade is a punishing fighter that if you can't get her the hell out in the first round, she's, she's going to beat you within an inch of your life. All right. So, it's pretty uh, yeah. It's pretty obvious that that uh, JoJo is uh, kind of going down now. So, question is, she's does an, she retire? She's an underperformer, but the thing is, she's still popular enough, and she wins enough where she stays in that top five to seven because she just wins just enough. But she's clearly she she clearly is not winning a title. She can't go to bantamweight. She's not big enough. She can't drop back down. But I don't I don't think you can even consider her a title contender now at this point. Okay, what was the third fight again? Because I forgot. Loma Lugboni versus... Oh, yeah, Lupita. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lupi. Lupi yes. Godinez versus Loma Lugboni. Lupi was a, a, la- a late replacement. Schwan, what the hell was with Loma in this fight? Um, I don't know if she just didn't adjust to the late replacement, or maybe she just hasn't really addressed her... her I can't even say she hasn't addressed her wrestling, because she, she wasn't expecting that kind of matchup. Um, I think she would just... She just I think she respected the wrestling a little bit more and allowed Lupi to get momentum on the feet because most strikers are they're afraid of getting taken down or tied up. But when somebody's that that bold and striking, you have she she has such an advantage. I feel like she could have made punished her early and taken over the fight, but she was very gun shy about getting in clinches and getting taken down, and so she gave Lupi room to operate on the feet. And there should be no world where Lupi can last. I don't care if it's MMA. There should be no world where you can go two minutes on the feed and Godinez is not getting torched by that caliber of striker. I guess. I mean, she just looked like she didn't want to be there. Yeah. I mean, mentally she checked it. Mentally she looked like she checked out. And that's what I was saying. It's like, given her skill set, even in brief exchanges, she should have been a dude dictate the fight. But it's like she was a second slow pulling the trigger. She didn't really seem like she wanted to engage. She didn't really seem like she wanted to push. And um, benefited Loopy more than anything she did skill-wise. Because skill-wise, I still think Loopy's an average fighter at best. And athleticism, she's a below-average fighter. And it's it's a good win for her. It gets her in the UFC's good graces. Like, that matters. But it doesn't help her long-term. It it actually does matter. Yeah, matters until it doesn't. I, I've seen too many people. I've seen people in their good graces make one mistake, and all of a sudden now they can't get a fight. They they get this fight, they won't get a title fight. So that don't mean anything to me. Okay, let's let's go on to the fourth fight. Luana Carolina beat uh, Sam Hughes by uh, unanimous decision. The main thing I kind of learned from this because Sam Hughes is terrible. The main thing I learned from this is that Luana had better start working on her endurance because she's not always going to be able to finish fights in the first round and, and, and or she will win by disqualification or something like that because she did not look good in the third round. 
Yeah, um, you saw the defensive holes. You saw her offense get real sloppy. And even though she had an athletic advantage, it it almost didn't exist in that, in that uh, third round. Um, I don't know if she needs to be – obviously, her cardio needs to get better. I think another thing that needs to get better is she needs to be more efficient and deliberate in what she's doing so that when somebody – when she gets someone hurt and they don't just roll over or they're tougher than that, you can switch – directions or make an adjustment she made no adjustment she's just used to bullying and blowing people over so she gets to certain spots and she just expects people to quit and when they don't instead of doing a slight adjustment she just does what she always does but does it with more intensity and that works against a certain caliber of opponent i mean it worked against sam hughes but it's not going to work it's better level opposition and it, once again if she gets tired against better opposition she is going to finish because she's not a good enough defensive fighter to navigate a drop-off in volume or having her defense be put under duress. She's, she's a very one-note fighter. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Okay, so let's go on to this Saturday. There's one uh, women's match on the show. It is um, uh, uh, Cheyenne, what is it, Cheyenne Buys? Or is whatever the hell she's she, calling herself? No, no, she's, she's going by her maiden name now. Vlisvis, so what, she must have uh, left her husband, huh? And uh, uh, Mallory Martin and Schwan, they're both lower mid card fighters. I don't know if either of them is any good. Like they were both in the uh, contender series. They both, uh, you know, like one and one or something like that in the UFC. So I'm not particularly impressed with either of them. Uh, what do you think? Is there anything there? I mean, both got, both of them have potential to to be better than they've shown, but neither one of them has done anything where you have you could build any faith. That loss to Montserrat for uh, Cheyenne, it just it made it look so bad because she, she never could make any sort of adjustment to the most basic takedown ever. She couldn't defend on her feet. She couldn't defend on the ground. She could create scrambles. A girl who was not a UFC level athlete or UFC wrestler level wrestler or grappler just dictated terms to her and bullied her and had her way with her. Um, in the case of Mallory Martin, she's performed better, but that fight against Hannah Seifer just is a big concern to me. Hannah Seifer really hadn't done much in the UFC, but one of the most impressive things she did was om- almost finish, finish Mallory Martin in a fight. And um, yeah. at, on the regional level, Cyphers is a devastating puncher, but in UFC she hasn't been. But against Martin, Martin was really on, Martin was really close to being finished, and she was able to navigate her way through, take her down, and take over the fight. I don't know what to make of either of these girls. They're both fairly attractive. They both have a certain f- a physical appeal that's going to help them. But I don't know how good either one of them is because neither one of them has looked particularly dominant in any fight they've been in. Um, yeah, shot- it's it, it's one of those fights that I look at it and I go. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, change the direction of the of the uh, division, and the the crazy thing is, I think a lot of people were very high on Cheyenne, and very people were very high on Mallory coming in, and after seeing them fight two or three times, I think a lot of the luster they had has been um has been lost, and a lot and and people don't consider them potential title challengers; they just consider them good fighters who will be competing and staying around the you know, seven to seven to 15 mark as far as the fighters go. I mean, I don't think anybody really has any faith that they're going to be anything special. And uh, I, I, I can't get a pick because Baez could just hit Mallory Martin and wipe her out. She's a hard hitter and she's a good finisher. 
and Mallory Martin gets pretty sloppy on the feet. But then again, Mallory Martin could fight a disciplined fight, get in a light exchange, take her down, and just work her over because Bias has not shown any offensive or, or counter wrestling or grappling. So I, I have no idea how this fight goes because I have no idea what mindset they're in. Yeah, I don't think either of them is all that good. Anyway, we got one more thing we got to talk about, and that's that uh, today, uh, early this afternoon, uh, Felicia Spencer announced her retirement. Okay, and the one thing I wanted to point out about this is that um, she's in a relationship with uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Justin Wilson. And so I think that's probably, I think she may be looking to start a family here, Sean. How the hell did I not know this? (laughs) But, but, you know, I mean, Sean, you should know by now, I know everything. That is true. I cannot fault you. You do have you always have the dirt. So um, I to be honest, even if she didn't have this boyfriend, I have to say this is probably one of the better decisions I've seen from any fighter. She challenged for the title. She put on two really brave performances. She's in a dominant win. The division can't be long. She's not going to get another title fight and anything else. She just she wouldn't even be really competing for a title. She goes to PFL. They'd be serving up for Kayla. If she went to Bellator, they'd be serving her up for, Bell- for a cyborg. Nobody's really going to invest and push her as a lead fighter or a potential champion. So after you've already experienced everything, you fought the two biggest punches in the history of the sport, what else is there? You put on good performances. People always remember how brave and how courageous and how hard she fought. And there's, the money's not going to get too much better for her. So she might as well go into other ventures, um, explore other avenues. And if she wants to start a family, start a family. Being an MMA fighter, it's not... It's not the they make it seem like it's this badge of honor and it is because you're competing, but it's not like being a doctor or fighting in a war or being a social activist. It's a sport that you do for money. It's not some high and mighty above moral type thing. There's other things you can do that are as important or more important than getting in a cage and fighting. It doesn't make you any better of a person. So 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 she's met her challenges as far as being a competitor. Why not coach? Why not do a podcast? Why not just move on to the next phase of your life? And I hope more fighters, especially um, just any fighter, looks at what she does and says, you know what, maybe I need to get an exit now while the getting's good before I do some unrepairable harm to myself. Well, I hope she has a very nice life. I think she made a great decision because she wasn't going to go anywhere. And I hope she has a nice big family with Justin Wilson. I honestly wish more girls. There's there's a couple fighters, and I'm never gonna tell them they have to retire. But there's a couple fighters at this stage. I really wish would just follow her suit and be like, you know what? I did it. I gave my best. It is what it is. I need to move on to the next phase. A lot of fighters don't know when to retire, Schwan. That's the part of the problem. My my whole thing. My concern is everybody keeps complaining about the money, but they say the reason they stay is the money. And I'm like, the money's awful. You can go make more money as a manager at McDonald's, dude. Like, what are you doing this for? Unless you just want to compete. But just say that. Just say you want to compete. Say you can't let it go. But don't don't blame money. All right. Schwan, you got anything else you want to talk about, or is that it? Let me think. Um, I wrote two articles that I released recently, one, one previewing Nunes versus Pena, and then I did another one where I broke down what makes Rose Namajunas elite, and I released those on Twitter. Okay, be sure you check those out. And also, uh, don't forget to uh, – uh, uh, don't forget to subscribe to uh, the podcast either at Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or Spotify. Uh, again, enjoy the fights this weekend. We'll talk to you later. Have a good weekend.